Jesus was there to save me, not just he died on a cross for everybody, but he actually did it for me too. Like that's part of what I wanted to decide to do. And becoming a Jesus follower in that moment sent me on this journey. And over time I had to realize, okay, part of this journey is including him in my pain. Welcome to Behind My Journey, a podcast that is for our community. In today's episode, I sit down with Jared Martin. One of the founding members of Journey Church, Jared has devoted his life to connecting others to God, but still makes sure to connect with God on his own. Welcome to this episode of the Behind My Journey podcast. My name is Quinn Eaton, and sitting with me today is Jared Martin. Jared. Thank you so much for joining the Behind My Journey podcast. I've been fighting to get on here, Quinn. I know. It's been a long time coming, right? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. <laughs> but thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And you filled in before, too. I know there was an episode where you Yes, I did hosted. one interview. Yeah, one interview early on. So, so I mean, I know you've probably you've filled in. You've also listened. Do you feel like you're better at this role than I am? Like, are you trying to take over? I am point? not trying to take over. Okay. But I do love having conversations. I don't care if I'm interviewing or if I'm being interviewed. Perfect. Just talking to somebody is fine with me. Right, right. And that's basically what this is. So, again, thank you so much for taking some time to do this. Of course... People that are tuning in probably already know you, but we're going to get to know you a little bit better today. Um, You're one of the founding members of Journey Church, so that means that you've been around since 2005 uh, in some capacity with the Journey. You told me that you started out as a volunteer staff member. We can talk a little bit more about that. And now, of course, you are the director of student ministry, and you have a lot of different hats that you wear for the church. Um, But just to kind of get into that, like being here since 2005, and of course, now it's 2022. We have our own building. There's so much going for Journey Church. Just kind of talk about your experience seeing it uh, built from the ground up. Yeah, I, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, Matt was a college friend. Um, my wife and I met in college. Uh, we were all in, in group studies together in college. Uh, went through some really good stuff together. Uh, when my wife would, I wasn't able to with athletics, but. She would go on Matt and a group of people from the Baptist Student Union then, the BCM mm-hmm. now, would go on trips and, and do things together. So building that foundation and him asking us to be a part of something like this was was really, truly special. Um, and looking back on it, um, it, ha- we, it was one of those things I remember saying to um, Sarah's parents and my parents, um, we feel like God wants us to do this. We'll probably be right back at church with you guys again in a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and here we are, you know, mm-hmm. 16 years later. So, you know, it wasn't like we had dreams of grandeur or anything, of building a big building. That was never part of it. But we felt like we were just being obedient and taking the next step. And you mentioned that you were busy with athletics. So you were a student athlete, a basketball was, player yeah. from Murray State. Absolutely. I don't feel like a lot of people know that. So I just want to make sure that we put that out there. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, we are both college athletes. Former Quinn. now. Former, former now. We're both now former yes. athletes. Uh, it feels weird saying that. But, but yeah, um, yeah, I enjoyed my time here. I really, um, it's one of the things that I did not, again, didn't plan on, but God has used in my life um, and given me opportunity to talk to people that I wouldn't have gotten to talk to or get to know. So yeah, I feel fortunate to have been part of that program. And how was that initial process where the idea for Journey Church comes to mind and someone reaches out and says, hey, this is the idea that we have. Uh, we kind of, we're all going to go in on it. What do you think? Like, was it an immediate yes? I know you said that you kind of felt like God was leading you, but what, what were that's those a, feelings whenever you, whenever that's you initially a, That's asked? a really good question. And and for, for Sarah and me, that I'm just going to refer to as Sarah. That's my mm-hmm. wife. Um, for Sarah and me, at the time, we 
were um, in sort of a, a phase um, where we had just come through a really difficult time. Um, we did not have an easy time having children. Um, our first child um, came along after lots and lots of work. Um, <laughs> I could get into a lot of detail, but basically we spent a lot of money to try to figure out what was wrong and doctors could find nothing wrong. Um, and so we had just come through that. We had actually gotten pregnant, but we were at a stage in our life where we were just asking God, hey, what is our next step? Um, you brought us through this. Um, you blessed us with a child we didn't think we could have. We don't know how he got here, but we are willing to take whatever steps next. And um, we were also kind of at our at the church we were at, a great church was helping us grow, but it was really hard for us to invite friends to come to our church because we knew if they came, they would feel awkward because they weren't insiders. They didn't know how things worked and they wouldn't feel comfortable not knowing. Um, and so when Matt came along and said, this is what we want to try to build, it hit two things. One, wow, we might be able to bring our friends to church to hear what Jesus is all about. And two, we think we're ready for a step. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it went down. And well, it didn't take us long to say yes, but we did consider it. And I think a few days later, we're like, we're ready. Let's yeah. do this. Well, it just seems like it was good timing, if anything, yeah. because of those those things that were kind of troubling you with the whole church experience as far as trying to invite someone. I've had that feeling, too, with people uh, before I found the journey. Um, and so it's definitely a place where it's it's inviting. We've had people come in. Uh, I've worked on guest services and uh, now a part of the suite team. And we have people come in that say they don't even believe in God. Uh, it's a place where people like that are welcome. So it's, it's cool that from that idea that you had and that issue that you kind of realized was something that could be alleviated with making it making a church in Murray, Kentucky. Uh, that's a really cool part of the process. But I know uh, going back to how you said, like you, you just trusted God and you started to talk to God whenever you had these big life moments. Is that something that you've done your entire life uh, as you've kind of walked on your faith journey? Um, that's what I've been taught to do my whole life. I wish I could say I'd done it my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, part of my faith journey is learning, Quinn, that... Um, um, learning from your parents the faith that my parents were very faithful and Sarah's parents as well we we learned a lot from watching them and they modeled it well um and so but growing through that and becoming an adult it became my own and while I would say that I accepted Jesus early on in my life at eight years old I can remember the time and the place and what all happened and I can remember praying and knowing that Jesus was there to save me, not just he died on a cross for everybody, but he actually did it for me too. Like that's part of what I wanted to decide to do. And becoming a Jesus following that moment sent me on this journey. And over time I had to realize, okay, part of this journey is including him in my pain, which has not been an easy process because I am wired for fun and and good things. Right, very so positive, I would very, say. I'm a very positive, but when bad things hit, I shut down and I don't want to invite anybody into that. And I don't want it because I want to avoid it at all costs. So I will, I will run away from pain rather than inviting God into it. So I had to learn. Um, and that experience was one of the main ones when we were not able to have children was when we started really figuring out how to invite God into that pain. And of course, you get through that time in your life. Um, you're now a father of three children. So how how was that whole process where... You get to see kind of God working in your life. And then also, how has it been kind of 
passing on those things. Like you said, you weren't always doing that your entire life, but that's yeah. how you were taught to do it. I'm sure that there have been some, some lessons uh, with yourself and your kids now. So kind of speaking on, of course, that blessing of having the three children and then now, of course, getting to lead them in their own faith journeys. Yeah, I man, I as a parent, Quinn, this is hard because I'm on staff and this is my job, right? The last thing what my kids want to do is listen to me at home do, yes, <laughs> do, right. do any of this. I could see that. But um, one of the things that I try to pass on to kids that I've learned is that God is always available. And so I will find myself saying things, well, you just need to talk to God about that. Uh, rather than giving them my opinion, <laughs> I will try to help them just talk to God about it. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that I am an excellent person at knowing how to do that all the time because they'll be like, you know, they really don't ask me how to do anything. <laughs> they don't ask me how to pray. But, you know, if I had to sit down and explain to them what it was, I, I might have difficulty doing it. I know how it has worked for me. I know, I know that process and what it looks like for me to bring it to God. But I just want them to continue in their journey to go, Okay, inviting God into this is part of the faith process that I don't have to try to just act like everything's good for God to be with me. Like mm -hmm. it's not about the good things in life and then God comes in. It's really God is there all the time and I invite him into that. It's He's kind of already a part of it. <laughs> he's, he's working in it. I just have to invite him in to help me figure out what I'm doing in it. And would you say, uh, of course, how you're, how you're kind of passing along uh, the idea of faith and how to communicate with God were those ways that you were taught whenever you were a younger age? Yeah, my, my mom and dad would pray with us. We, we pray at meals as a family. Um, but a lot of what I do now is Sarah and I are very transparent about what we're dealing with. So when it comes to uh, something about money, uh, we talk out loud about that in the car. And we talk about how we're processing that through our faith. Um, when... I have to make a difficult decision about my time, about where to spend my time. I'll talk out loud about that at the table or whatever and say, man, I'm really struggling with what, what should happen here. And we talk about that in terms of our faith. So we have always been just transparent as much as possible with our kids so that they hear that faith conversation and it becomes something they're comfortable talking about. So that's kind of how we brought that faith in. Now, yeah. my parents we taught me how to pray and we talk about prayer, but... My parents were much more private, perhaps with their own internal things growing mm -hmm. up. And I think that was just part of kind of how they were taught. So I don't, I don't, again, they taught me great things. I wouldn't say they did a bad job parenting. Yeah. But Sarah and I have seen one of the things we want to improve on is just making sure that conversation is upfront and personal. And for those that might be listening and might have a question about what you mean whenever you say in terms of faith. So you're saying that. It's an open line of communication. There's a lot of transparency. Yeah. And if there's an issue, you speak on it uh, and, and you apply certain things to it that, that would be connected to your faith. What do you mean? Yeah. Exactly so, by that? so some like, um, I'll just be, I'll be really vulnerable in this podcast when it comes to things like our finances and we try to give um, a lot, right? There are times in our, in our, when our kids are small, uh, we gave a lot. They're like doing, for this building to give a lot and to talk about the things we have to give up in order to be able to give and do what we want to do to be able to build a place like this or to provide a, a, an environment like this for people in our community. That's a conversation. So when our kids, um, you know, asked, uh, I know recently it was revealed some of our government leaders and their, 
giving records because they released their tax records. And we had a conversation about the amount of money given away versus how much we give away and what we make and the percentage difference, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so look at what the percentage looks like uh, of what somebody earns. We, we were really transparent about that because we wanted the value of what our faith says we should be doing with our money to be very open. So they, as they adults, they should be able to start processing, oh, is the value of what God has said is important driving what I do with my money or some other value driving it, right? Right, yeah. So we just keep that, that's what I'm saying about being vulnerable and how our faith impacts it. The same thing could be said about relationships. You know, I have two teenagers and how they pursue dating relationships or relationships with their friends or how they handle gossip. We just talk about how Jesus taught us and how that faith impacts the decisions we make and how we treat the people around us. It's just part of our language in our in our family. And it sounds like, and you can, I'm not trying to speak for you, but sure. you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I've always heard that God can't place something in your hand if it's not an open hand. And so whether that be uh, with finances or whether it just be with an open line of communication, if you have a closed fist yeah. and you're holding on to certain things, it makes it more difficult for God to come in and, and place things there and place blessings in your life. So it sounds like whether you've heard that before or not, which I'm sure you have, if it sounds like you have more of the open hand policy where it's like, I'm going to give because I know that as long as I'm giving, God's going to be blessing us with other things in our lives. Yeah. And I would say, Quinn, one of the things I've been reminded of this week um, through some things and conversations I've had is that um, the the actual process of working out your faith of, of maybe giving or serving or talking to someone that may feel uncomfortable, <laughs> inviting them to come to church, even though you're not sure if they'll say yes, mm-hmm. um, forgiving somebody you don't want to forgive all those acts in themselves even though good things may follow them the act itself of doing it is the blessing right so when i give that's the blessing because i've done what god asked me to do and so i i'll just bring it full circle the blessing has not been that now that uh 16 years later quinn we have this huge building and man we have a lot of people coming that is not the blessing of the step of faith from 2005 Mm mm-hmm the blessing was I took that step and learned that God was with me. Right? That's yeah. the blessing was then, not this is not a oh of course there are blessings all around in this place. But I think the blessing, even if we weren't here, if we were still in the current room, maybe we we're just in my home, but if I was being obedient to God, the blessing was right then when I was obedient and he and I did what he asked me to do, regardless of the outcomes. And I think that's a really cool uh way to view things because of course it does seem like this building that the four center, of course, which the journey church meets in now seems like, okay, well, this is it. Like this is, this is that final blessing. Thanks God. Yeah. We appreciate well, it. We're done. See ya. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it, there's never an end point. It's always a, a constant progression. He's always asking us to take steps. So yeah. in perspective, I would say there's still steps left for me to take in my faith. Exactly. And you've, you've been able to articulate a lot of things. And I believe that that's probably because like I mentioned earlier, you are the director of student ministry. So you're good at talking about faith and certain things like so. this. So how has it been? And we can get into the other roles that you, you have in the church as well. But of course, starting in 2005, as kind of a volunteer staff member, you might've been doing the similar things that you're doing now where whatever hat you need to put on for the church, you did so. Yeah. Um, but of course, that, that main title of the director of student ministry, kind of talk about that role that you play in the church yeah. and then some other things that you do for Journey. Well, I've always been, always been passionate about student ministry and students. Um, even as a, as a young, even as a older high school student or a young college student, I was always trying to guide younger folks because I always felt like uh, they were so close to um, 
where God wanted them to be because they were moldable. Uh, they didn't have big regrets in their lives. <laughs> right. We could prevent big regret if we could just get them to understand what God was actually offering them, which was a better maybe life than what they foresee, foresaw themselves having. So I've always been part of that. So I think the role I play now is really about helping build a structure to support our students, right? So part of our strategy in family ministry, this is with kids and everything, is to partner with the parent. We know we don't see the parent. We only see the kids. If they come every Sunday, Quinn, I only see middle schoolers 52 hours a year, you know? Right. That's not a lot of time to invest in somebody. It, it's worth to invest. I mean, 52 hours is a good amount of time, but when you compare that to with the 1,000 hours that a parent gets per year, yeah. it's very small. So I'm all the time trying to make sure what I do on Sunday is something that they can continue on with a parent at home or in some conversation. So think about I'm moving our students into steps, but hopefully the parents are alongside that. And I'm not great at that part yet, Quinn. But that's what I'm fighting for, and that's why I say there's still steps of faith for me to take to try to figure out what is the next step for us to mm-hmm. to keep moving student ministry better. And it's partly is to really engage the parents well. I think that that's a really good way to put it. It's like you're kind of planting a seed whenever they're here for that hour every yeah. Sunday. And then uh, it's up to them, of course, to further that. And, I mean, that's that's basically all you can do with the time that you have. But it, it's the it's a really cool way to look at it because, of course, whenever I was a kid— with Sunday school, it was like I clocked in and I clocked out, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah. I didn't know that term at, at the time. Well, I don't, I don't want to sell our Sunday mornings short either or our Wednesday nights with high school students short either. But I, I, part of my job is also to recruit great people um, because 52 hours a year with somebody, I want to have good people in there that build great relationships with our students because students need more than just their parents. I, it's not like, oh, well, parents, it's up to you for the rest. Of, I mean, <laughs> it's not. I mean, that's why it's a partnership, but... Um, students, and according to research, Quinn, here's a good one. Everybody, parents, yeah. listen up. Uh, students need five adults of faith to impact their life outside their parents. Um, research has shown when they have those five adults that know their name and know who they are, that they are much more likely after high school to continue pursuing faith in college. And as you know, college is not an easy place to go by yourself to pursue faith, right? You have, you have so a lot of choices. You have a lot of choices and you have a lot of uh, distractions, so the idea would be that before our students leave, they've got some of those people in their life. I may not call mom, but I might call my small group leader mm-hmm. and talk to them about my faith. So that's the idea is to hopefully have some people around them before they leave. And then, of course, I know one of the first times that I attended the journey, you were actually preaching. Or, oh, uh, yeah, okay. I don't know if you knew that. No. But, um, that was one of the first, I think the first time I came, you were doing a series that I actually ended up doing a report on for a class because I, oh, I, <laughs> I had to do something about a live speaker and I was like, well, hey, that's your live speaker, right? Live speaker, right? You, you checked that box and so I, I, I did that. But that's one of the roles that you also fill at the church. Yeah. You'll step in it and deliver messages. So uh, you don't do it on a weekly basis, of course, right. um, not in the capacity that Matt, Matt Johnson does. But how does how is that experience? Is that something that you really enjoy to do as well? Yeah, that has, um, that's been something really from early on in our church history. Um, Matt has always been willing to share the stage. Matt knows that this is not about him. Um, and I really appreciate it. I, I am not able to do what Matt does. Uh, doing this week in, week out might put me in the hospital. I'm not sure I can pull it off. But I do enjoy, I, I was a teacher in high school English for 15 years before switching careers, basically. I, I love helping people understand new things. I help taking them on a, a thoughtful journey. So yeah, I think being on stage is something I don't ever want to necessarily give up, but I'm not 
cranking. I'm not trying to crank one out a week. Sure. That's, that's not me. Well, maybe working in small spaces, right? Like, oh, I need you to fill yep. in these, these weeks. Yep. That's something that you did a really good job with. I'll, I'll speak you. for you on that. Appreciate it. You did Thank a really you. Good job. And then uh, any other roles that you feel like you have in the church? I know we were talking before, you don't necessarily have any titles. Like you don't like to say you're an associate pastor. Well, or yeah. Like well, that, I, I, if you want to get technical, I'm director of student ministries. Really, that's where my main, where I need my main energy to be. But I'm also director of adult ministries, which nobody really knows what it is, but here's what it is. It, it's helping people connect. So I manage the systems that help people start to get connected to our church as adults. So if they're wanting to get volunteer, I have processes and volunteers that help them get into volunteering. And then if they want to get in a group, I'm helping people find groups and trying to create places for people to connect. So think of my adult ministry side as just helping people feel like this is their place. Because that's what Matt says on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we want this to feel like your church. Well, part of my job is to build that out to make sure people do feel like it's their place. So that includes guest services. So I help kind of run and cast vision for what our guest services needs to do to make sure every person that walks in the store feels like, wow, this kind of feels like home. That So that's the other part of my job, but I, I basically spend most of my time or trying to spend most of the time work, working with students. And how has working in ministry impacted your own faith? Because you, you're put yeah. in a lot of positions where you get to connect people to God, you get to share stories and connect people uh, to one another. So how is that for you? Has that been a fulfilling experience? Because I know, just speaking from example, and this is a, this might not be a great metaphor, but I played college golf. I worked at a golf course during the summer. It made it really <laughs> yeah. hard to yes. be motivated. I work from eight to three, and then I need to practice afterwards. Yeah. I didn't really feel like staying there. I was like, I got to get out of here. So not a great metaphor, but I'm sure you can understand no, where, I, where it, I'm coming from. Yes. How is it for you personally, yeah. for your faith journey, to work in a church and then still, of course, fulfill... Uh, that relationship with uh, yourself and God. Yeah. Um, again, this is about being vulnerable, so I'll be vulnerable. Um, th- I thought becoming a minister would solve problems for me. Um, and that is not the case. It, it, well, I take that back. It didn't solve the problems I thought it would and should. Um, so when I was teaching high school English, I always thought, man, if I could be in full-time ministry, then I would get to be more open with students about my faith. I would make a larger impact. And I would be closer to God because I was doing more of God's work. And I've come to realize that um, I was doing God's work as a teacher. (laughs) It just looked differently. And a lot of the pressure I put on becoming a full-time minister did not fulfill me in the way I thought it would. And um, I had to really fight. There were a few years ago that I had to fight for my own faith while doing this job, Quinn, because this job is a job like everybody else has. And it takes connection to God to do a job He's called you to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're called to be a doctor or a therapist or a banker or whatever, and God called you to do that, you have to be connected to God. It's not like some magical pill when you walk into this church and you suddenly become better at knowing God. You, it doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. And I went through a series of depression, uh, for, and it lasted a couple years. And it was me having to process, was I being saved by this job and the results of what our church was doing? Or was I saved by grace and Jesus alone? And that's what it really came down to. And I had to really recommit, oh yeah, 
God, you didn't call me to carry the weight of building a church. You said Jesus was the head of the church. You just called me to trust you and do these things here at this place in this town. Mm-hmm. And I feel strongly that God put me in Marie, Kentucky. Like I, I, don't, I don't feel called to go to a foreign country. I know some people do. I don't feel I don't I, I empathize with people in different countries and I empathize with them needing to know that God exists. But I feel like I'm here in Murray, Kentucky, to do as much as I can to build a community of people who are for this community, mm-hmm. and that's a strong and that is not going to save me, but it's definitely a result of what Jesus has done in me personally, not the other way around. Right, and I just know that, like you kind of alluded to. People just assume, oh, the pastor works at the church, so it must be really easy for him to connect. He must have a great relationship with God. You still have to do as much work outside of church as you do inside church. So I, I've always kind of found that fascinating whenever you get to talk to people that work in ministry. And we've talked a lot about it in this episode. It, it seems like a lot of faith is relying on others, uh, leaning on others whenever you need to have a conversation. You've mentioned, of course, uh, whenever kids have those five faith leaders, yep. then of course they're more likely to continue that relationship with God. So not necessarily faith leaders for you, but who are, who would you say are some people that have been a part of your life from your very, very beginning of your journey to now that have helped you with your faith? Yeah. I want to, my parents were my Sunday school teachers and my faith leaders from early on. I went to a really small church growing up. Uh, but all the, I, I wish I could mention all of them, but all the people of faith in that little church invested in me greatly over the years. Um, in fact, during COVID, one of those sweet ladies who was the piano player at our church and helped me learn to sing and invested hours and hours in me over uh, two decades worth, since I was born till I left that church, uh, I got to do her funeral. And it was a special day because she represented to me that whole generation of people who invested and made sure that I knew that I was valuable and I had talents and abilities that God could use. Um, and that was really special. So that community of faith was huge for me. Um, there's also a lady, um, during my high, middle school, high school years, I sang in a choir during the summers. So um, I every two days a week, we'd go to do choir practice with local church kids. And this lady um, was kind of like a second mother to me. And she formed me over time through the songs that we learned and just honestly giving us a place in the summer to hang out with people who believed like we believed. Um, and then in college, Matt was a huge impact on my faith. I uh, roomed with him one year. We lived together. Uh, he was always trying to be what Jesus was, right? Nobody does it perfectly, but his desire to be more like Jesus influenced my faith. And he helped me learn how to lead a group. He helped me to learn how to apply that time and devotional time. I watched him do it better than I did, and I took notes. Not really notes, but I watched. Mm -hmm. So that was a big influence. And then I would say my wife is probably now the longest-lasting influence, is that her faith uh, in times of distress oftentimes um, leads me and helps me keep perspective. Her humility is far beyond mine. I am a much more prideful person. <laughs> uh, so you balance I, each other out. Though. Yeah, I would say she really, we have a, a, that connection of our faith is what has really sustained me through the tough times. Well, Jared, I think it's been great to hear your story, get to know you a little bit better. Um, and I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. So again, thank you so much thank for you. taking some time to join the Behind My Journey podcast. Thanks, Quinn. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind My Journey. If you or anyone that you know would like to have your journey featured on this podcast, send us an email at podcast at journeycalloway.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if this message spoke to you, please help us spread the word and share it with others. Until next time, my name is Quinn Eaton, and this has been Behind My Journey.